0: You're listening to this week's message by Senior Pastor Chris Felvis. Thank you, Pastor Joe. This morning we're going to start a little bit different. Um, I asked Mary Stevens to share a testimony with us. You can go ahead and come on up. Just right up front, right starting it right out. (laughs)
1: Um, I felt compelled a couple weeks ago um, to share something, and I let the pastor know, and then I followed up with uh, Pastor Chris. Um, just in prayer, um, and I don't do it often enough, but anyway, uh, a few weeks ago, in my prayer time, I just said, Lord, as I left that morning uh, for work, I said, let me be a blessing today to somebody. Let me be able just to speak into somebody's life, Lord, just as easily and calmly as that. But Let it go at that. I didn't even think anything about it. I went through my day, and then the very next day... I was at my work location, and someone that I work with, an acquaintance, sat down in front of me and said, "I'm not saved." And I and we we had already did our business. We weren't we weren't even talking about the Lord or anything. And I just looked at her and I said, "Well, do you want to be saved?" And she said, "Yes." I helped lead this lady to the Lord, right there in that booth. And we got done, and I asked her, have you ever accepted the Lord before? She said, no. And telling you, she did not know how. She did not know how or what to say. But then, after we were done, I was getting ready to leave, and the Holy Spirit brought to my mind. said, Mary, do you remember your prayer? And I, I was in awe. I, w- I forgot. I forgot. But he did not forget. Amen. He did not forget. He put this person in front of me. I forgot. And I began to look around, and I felt such the presence of the Holy Spirit. I I felt like I could have reached out and said, oh, my God, there you are. There you are. It was so real that I would have walked away if the Holy Spirit hadn't brought back that remembrance that I just answered what your prayer was. And that's how God works. Amen. He really does. He works through us, especially when we least expect it. So, Thank
0: you so much. Thank you for sharing that, Mary. Uh, just reminded, uh, you know, the word says that by the word of our, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, that's how people come to a relationship in Christ. And we've been talking in Psalm 127 about how the Lord does all the work. He does the building and we're co-laborers with Him. And, and this morning we're going to talk about how we're co-laborers in discipleship. But the Lord does that work as well and we can only partner with Him. And so starting out this morning with that testimony, I believe God called Mary to work with Him. In that person's life, but I also believe he had started a work in her life long before that conversation. God was doing a work. He was speaking to her. He was building something in her, and then Mary was willing to build with him to be a co labor in the work that he was doing. When she shared that testimony, it kind of made me laugh because I said, you know, sometimes we go fishing, uh, and sometimes the fish jump in the boat, you know. I mean, literally, you know, she she asked the Lord for that opportunity, but she didn't even have to start the conversation. The lady just said, I'm not saved. And those are those those stories that we would almost think, well, that doesn't really happen. Well, yes, it does. It happened just a, a couple of weeks ago. And that's that's the kind of work that our Lord is doing uh, before we get into the message. Uh, he was speaking something to me. I want to say it before I totally forget Uh but that song that we were saying, singing in worship, Waiting Here for You, and, and it kind of goes along with the message this morning that when we're in this discipleship process with Jesus Christ, it's on his timetable. We wait for him, but then, then he brought the other side to my mind and he said, do you know how long I'm willing to wait for you? We want to be in this process. We want to co-labor with Christ in this work. But so often when we get in one of these relationships, whether it be at work, whether it be with our children, whether it be with our spouse or whoever, we get impatient because we see the work we want done in their life. And we see the things that we think need to change. And we want them to change now. You know, we it's like we don't have that same grace and mercy and patience with those around us that Christ has for us. And he just reminded me how patient he is, how merciful he is and how long he's willing to wait when he calls us to follow him. And he says, it's okay, I'll wait. I'm waiting here for you. I'm going to wait as long as it takes for you to get to the place where you're ready to follow me. I'm patient enough to wait for you. But it, it's also true on our side. We're called to wait upon the Lord. The Bible says, Wait upon the Lord, and he will renew our strength. But we're in a culture right now that doesn't do a good job of waiting. How much of our quiet time includes holding our cell phone? And maybe, you know, 30 seconds into it, we find ourselves on Facebook or looking at the news or, you know, it's like, well, I waited for you for five seconds. I was quiet and you didn't speak up in 30 seconds. So I guess you're not going to talk to me today, so I might as well get on, get on with it, see what everybody else has to say. There was a, a testimony that my wife ran across this this week. A young man said that it had come to Christ, left he actually left the homosexual lifestyle um, and just was explaining how he's like these things aren't congruent. You can't follow Christ and continue in your sin. You have to leave your sin and follow Christ. He is Lord. But and he's in and in his life now following Christ, he's like, I don't even see how anybody could say that these things could go together. But but then this is what he said that really hit me hard is he said if you're filling yourself with lies, you're you're spending your time on on Facebook, you're spending your time uh, watching Netflix or or whatever, and you're pouring that stuff into you. He said for every hour that you do that, you should at least be spending an hour in the word and in prayer and seeking the Lord because you've just been lied to for an hour. Any time that we just pump ourselves with the world, we're being lied to. We're getting the world's truth, which is not truth. And we're filling ourselves with lies. Yet we expect to be able to follow Christ and imitate him when when we're good and ready. And God, Jesus Christ himself, is sitting there waiting for us. And he says, I'm I'm patient. I'll wait for you to come to me. I'm ready when you are. But we have to wait upon the Lord. We have to be still, be quiet and hear his voice. But we've got to shut off all this other garbage that's out there and seek him and seek to imitate him. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning is discipleship and what that even means. Because I think in this in this day and age, we don't even know what that word means. You don't hear that. That's not a word that we use out in everyday life. It's not something you hear in the community. It's not a term uh, that's used outside of church. And so we forget what that word means. There's a movie that some of you may have seen. I call it a classic. Uh, it's, it's The Princess Bride. Uh, it's a comedy, but it's a classic to me. If you've ever seen it, there's a character that over and over and over throughout the movie, he uses the word inconceivable. Inconceivable. Just something happens, and he says it's inconceivable i can't you know, i can't fathom how this is happening, and he just keeps using it over and over and over until finally one other character just has had enough, and he says, You know what i don't think that word means what you think it means he's like because yeah, you're not using it correctly, you know every time you use it it's it's really not that inconceivable <laughs> you know but we do that so often with words that we use in our Christian life and in our walk and we we assume other people know what they mean and sometimes we even assume we know what they mean and I want us to start out with this this morning just to to make sure that we're on the same page of what a disciple is and it, it coincides with the scripture that we've been looking at in Psalm 127 which is unless the Lord builds the house Those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. And so, really, any labor under the sun that we do apart from what God is doing is in vain. Anything that we put our heart and soul into, if that's not something that God is at work building, Psalm tells us that it's in vain. God is building a house. God is doing a work. God is working in someone's life to get them ready to be at the point where they're ready to accept them. And he says, I just need you to be ready and willing to work with me when it's time. I don't know how old uh, Mary how old is was your friend or is your friend, you know. It's the middle 40s. God has been waiting for at least 40, 45 years. Say, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you to be ready. Every life experience, every relationship, everything that she's gone through throughout her whole life, he says, it's all leading up to the day where you're going to be ready to come to me and I will be waiting and ready to receive you. But I guarantee there was other people in her life along the way that wanted it to happen sooner, that were ready for a change sooner, but it wasn't time. But God was patient. He was waiting. He was ready. And then he says, hey, Mary, will you work with me today? It's time. And she would prepared herself the day before to say, Lord, I want to work with you in whatever you're building. And when we work with him, then nothing that we do is in vain. Everything has a purpose. And so we're called to be disciples. But what is a disciple? The, defin- the, the word that's used in the Greek is meshetes. And I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly. But it means to be a learner, a pupil, or a disciple, or also even a student. One thing that I noticed that was interesting when I looked this word up is that many times in the Bible when you, when you look up a word, uh, it's, it's definition in our language, uh, depends on the context that it's written in. Sometimes you'll find a word that has four, five, six, seven, different words, English words that it's translated to depending on the context that it's written in the Bible. And it'll, it'll even tell you in parentheses you know, that there is some things that technology is good for. It'll tell you how many times it was used in the Bible and how many times it was translated as each word. And so this word, it's unlike most words I've ever looked up a hundred percent of the time it's translated as a disciple. There's no other word. There's no other way that the New Testament translates this word. So then it's like, okay, well, we need to know what disciple means. And I think many of you may be aware that disciple uh, in this day and time was kind of like, I think the best thing that we could tie to, which is even now going away in our culture, but would be like an apprenticeship. You work with someone, you practically live with them, you're with them more than anyone else in a given week. You know, you could be an apprentice plumber, an apprentice electrician, or an apprentice woodworker uh, in some sort of trade. And, and you're going to even doctors work for years uh, after they've graduated school to to physically do the work they're going to do later on by themselves. But before they could ever think about doing it on their own, they have to be a student under, be an apprentice under, be a disciple under, a teacher. Someone that they're trying to imitate, be like in every way. And so that's really what that term meant in, in that day and time when, when Jesus was calling people to be his disciple. The other thing is uh, most of the rabbis, they didn't make a living at being a spiritual teacher. They actually had a trade. One of the most famous rabbis actually was a blacksmith. And so every one of his disciples, not only was a disciple of, of what he believed and how he believed it, they were also a blacksmith. So he produced blacksmith rabbis. That's, and, and it only makes sense because his disciples spent all their time with him. So I'm going to teach you spiritually while we get to work. And I think this is a very encouraging thing for all of us because it tells us that we can seek the Lord as our teacher and our Lord in anything that we do. It's not just when you come to church. It's not just uh, when you're reading your Bible. It's in anything that you do, you can do it as unto the Lord. And the Bible actually says that in Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. It doesn't matter what your occupation is. It doesn't matter if you're working in that today or if you're gardening or if you're working on your relationship with your spouse or if you're raising your children or if you're doing volunteer work or whatever you may be doing, you can do it as unto the Lord. Because the truth is, everything is unto him. If we give ourself, our time, everything we are to him, and we're actually involved in what he's building. But if we decide to work on our own thing at our own time, at our own pace, for our own reasons, then he says, well, that's going to be in vain. Because now you're just working for yourself. You're not working with me anymore. You're not co-laboring with me in what I'm doing. You're doing your own deal. But guess what? I'll wait for you. I'll wait as long as it takes for you to get it. Go ahead and try. You'll find out that it's for vanity. You'll find out that it was for no purpose eventually. And I'll be waiting here for you. To receive you. To enable you. To equip you. To be the disciple that I'm calling you to be. There's a few scriptures that define this, this just disciple and the whole process a little more that we're going to look at. Matthew 28, uh, 18. Jesus came to his disciples and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus called the disciples to him, which were just his students, his uh, protégés that were with him every single day of the week, every waking hour, every time he got up and said, we're going to this city or that city. They followed. They were with him. They saw how he did things, what he did, how he reacted, everything that he did, they were watching and they were with him. And at the very end, after he's gone to the cross and been resurrected, he tells them, now you go out and make disciples. And there's a key here that we're going to look at a few other scriptures here, though, that's different from every other apprenticeship, disciple relationship, even even what he was referencing then. And that is we don't ever get to the point where we are a rabbi we don't become the teacher and make people in our image and jesus christ never called anybody to get to that place he said i'm the teacher i'm the master i'm the lord and i'm calling you to follow me and now i want you to go out into the world and invite other people to follow me So we invite others to follow our teacher, our master, our Lord, who is making us more and more like him every single day that we follow him. Every moment that we spend with him is a moment that he uses to transform us more and more into being like him. And then we have a testimony to go share with people and say, look what the Lord has done for me. And he'll do it for you. He's able. He can equip you. He can empower you to be like him. All you have to do is follow him. So the next scripture that Jesus said that gets us uh, on that definition is in Matthew ten twenty-four through 25. Jesus says, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. And then in Luke 6, 40, Jesus said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So Jesus was saying, you're never going to become the rabbi. It will be enough for you to be like me. You can become like me. There's an interesting thing. Oh, and then Matthew 23, 8. Says, but you, but you do not be called rabbi, for there's one that is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. So he couldn't really get any more clear than that. He's like, none of you are ever going to be called rabbi. You're all brothers and sisters in Christ. You're brethren, but you are calling, you are following me, and you're going to call others to follow me. And so there's, there's something that I came across in this study that, that really struck me and and was just very, very good news. And that was the way that disciples would come to follow a rabbi. There was two ways. They either went to a rabbi and said, can I be your disciple? Will you accept me as your disciple? Or a rabbi would see someone and and observe them and see that they had the ability, the knowledge, the, the aptitude to become like them. They would see that in someone and say, I think they have enough in them to learn what I know, to become a teacher like me. And so a rabbi might ask a student, would you like to be one of my disciples? And if they agreed, they would follow him and they would become like that person. Well, in Jesus's case, every single one of the 12 disciples, he said, follow me. Well, there was an inherent uh, understanding in that request. If Jesus selected you as a disciple and said, follow me, he was saying, you can be like me. You can, uh, you can do everything that I'm gonna do. Later, Jesus even said, you're gonna do greater things than I did. But they didn't have the ability to be like him. They didn't have any, uh, any way to, to save themselves, to come from death to life. What Jesus was saying is, Follow me and I will make you like me. I will equip you. I will enable you. I will give you everything that you need to be like me. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to be your helper. I will raise you from the dead. I will set you free from everything that entangles you. I will do the work. Philippians 1, six says, I've begun a good work in you and I will bring it to completion. He does it all but he, and he says just follow me if you follow me and watch me and imitate me i will make you like me i will do the work and he's so patient he's so patient that he'll wait 45 years for someone to get to that point where they're ready and guess what that's not the end of her journey it just started That day, she said, I'm going to follow you, Christ. I'm going to make you Lord of my life. You are now my master. You are my Lord. And I am going to follow you from now until the day I die. And Jesus said, come on. Tomorrow, you're going to be more like me than you are today. Every moment you spend with me, you will be more like me. I will enable you. I will equip you. And he did this with his disciples. In Luke 10, Jesus sent out 72 disciples. They had been walking with him. They had been living with him. They had watched him heal people. They had watched him cast out demons. They had heard his teachings. And then Jesus says, okay, guess what, guys? Practice run. You go out and you do what I've been doing. And they leave. Jesus stays behind. They go out on their own. And when they come back, they're almost in disbelief. It says in verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They were surprised. They, they literally came back to Jesus and were like, it really works. <laughs> we were able to do what you've been doing. We said it like you said it. We prayed what you prayed, and God the Father answered our prayer just like he answered yours. It worked. And what does Jesus say? He's like, don't rejoice that you've got power over the demons. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That you are one of the Father's sons and daughters. That's what we can rejoice in, and we can go out and say, guess what, guys? This works. He really enables us. He really equips us. He really sets us free. He really changes our life. He did it for me. And if you follow him, he'll do it for you. Let's go together. Let's follow him together. There's, there's a, another that in that relationship of following him and that, that trust that he's saying, you can really be like me. It, it brought a different understanding of a story that most of us would be familiar with. And it's when Peter walked on the water. I've looked at that story, you know, many times before, and it kind of makes you wonder, like, the rest of the disciples were content to let Jesus get to the boat, right? You know, it's like, if he walked out this far, he can come the rest of the way, right? But Peter says, Lord, if it's you, can I come out too? And most of us would think, like, what would have possessed him to think... Like, that's even an option. And it would be because Jesus said, follow me. I see in you that you can be like me. I will empower you. I will equip you. I will enable you to do everything that I do. And Peter saw him walking on the water and he was like, well, if he can do it, then I can too. I'm his disciple. And Jesus says, come on. And he steps out and he's walking on the water. But what does the scripture say? It says, he took his eyes off Jesus and put them on the waves. And his doubt was in Christ's ability to enable him, to equip him, to empower him, to be like him. And he began to sink. And then he puts his eyes back on Christ and says, Lord, save me. And he lifts them up and they get into the boat. And he says, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt that I have the power, the ability, and everything you need to be just like me? I'm going to equip you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Father is going to welcome you as a son and a daughter. You're going to have me in you. I'm in the Father, and I'm in you. You're going to have everything you need to live the life that I'm calling you to live and to be the disciple that I'm calling you to be. We just have to believe it. Do we believe he really has the power to set us free? Do we believe he has the ability to equip us to be like him, to imitate him, to follow him? But if we do, we're going to have to follow him. We're going to have to spend time with him. We're going to have to wait for him. We're going to have to listen for him. And if we don't do any of those things, think about it. Here's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the beginning and the end, the author of all creation. And he's saying, I'm doing a work and I want you to work with me. I want you to partner with me. I want you to walk with me. But you have to be with me. If we believe that, who wouldn't make that their primary purpose? Who wouldn't sit down their cell phone and say, Lord, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sit here and just be still and know that you are God. I'm going to pray to, to, that you will use me in some manner every single day of the week. Whether I'm at the grocery store or at home with my kids or on the job or wherever, I'm going to be with you in every single moment that I might be more like you today than I was yesterday. And tomorrow I'll be more like you than I was today. And if we don't do that, we can't really believe it. How could we? If that's true, how would we just say, yeah, but I'm going to go do my own thing? Facebook's more interesting than you are. Snapchat's more interesting than you are. I don't know the other names of the Twitter. I don't know. What else is there? (laughs) Netflix, Hulu, all the television, video games, everything else that we just fill our time with. That we literally don't have a moment in our day where we're not pumping something else in. Whether it's what we're seeing or what we're hearing. If we believe this, we would take the time to say, okay, Lord, I've had enough of the lies, I've had enough of the garbage. I want you. I want some time with you. And I'm going to make time to follow you. And I'm going to seek after you. And I'm going to be the disciple that you've called me to be. I want to imitate you in every single possible way that I can. And I believe that you're going to empower me. You're going to equip me. You're going to enable me. And you're going to do every work. And you're going to complete the work that you started in me. Because you're faithful. The last story that I want to share with you is, uh, it's also in the New Testament, the story that most of you have probably heard, but it's the story of the demoniac, and it's found in, uh, Mark verse 5, or chapter 5 verses 2 through 20, and we won't read the whole story, I'll just summarize it, but, and we'll read the last couple verses. But there was a man that was just fully possessed by demons, and Jesus encounters him, And the demon, the demons recognize who he is and, you know, say, what are you doing here? What do you have to do with us? And Jesus asked his name. And he says, my name's Legion because we're many. And the word Legion in the, in the Roman, uh, infantry or army was 5,000 soldiers. So whether he just had a bunch or whether he had 5,000, this guy was just crammed packed full of demons. And Jesus, the, the word says that Jesus said, you're going to have to leave. You can't stay in him anymore. And they, they start to say, well, can you at least send us into this herd of pigs over here? We don't, you know, so we don't just have to go out wondering. And Jesus says, sure, you can go into the pigs. And so they, they leave them in. They go into the pigs. All the pigs run off the edge of the cliff and, and die. And obviously everybody in the community, some, especially the owners of the pigs, <laughs> Aren't too happy. They just lost all their pigs. But this man who had been running around naked and and cutting himself and just kind of terrorizing the whole community. It even says that they would bind him in chains and he would just rip the chains off. And this man, they come and they find him of sound mind and delivered from all these demons. And we pick up in verse 17. It says, the people of the area, they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. He begged Jesus, can I be with you? I want to stay with you. I want to go with you. I want to be one of your disciples. And here's what Jesus' response was. Jesus didn't permit him, but instead said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis and the Decapolis was 10 cities. Ten large cities in the Roman in that part of the Roman Empire that were just completely pagan, uh, worshiping idols, and so he went to all these ten cities, proclaiming what God had done for him. It says how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marvelled. Jesus was enough. In one word, he delivered that man from everything that had possessed him, that had grappled him. What did he do? How did he help? What part did he play? Nothing. He did nothing. He couldn't even speak for himself. He was so full of demonic activity, the demons were his voice. But... In the fullness of time, Jesus said, you're not going to have this anymore. I'm going to deliver you. Philippians 1.6, the work that I'm starting in you, I'm going to complete. In a word, this man was totally delivered, totally transformed, totally set free. And Jesus' direction to him is, go tell your friends what the Lord has done for you. That's what our testimony is. Everywhere that we go, if we're following Christ, if we're imitating him, if, if we're following his word, when Jesus said, go make disciples, he said, teaching them everything that I have commanded you. Well, first, we've got to know what he commanded us. How do we do that? Well, we read his word. We have to know what he's doing. How do we know that? We pray and we ask him, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing in the lives of my friends? What are you building in their life that I can work with you? What are you building in the life of my children that I can work with you? What are you building in the life of my coworkers that I can work with you? And he'll show you. And he'll say, this is how you can labor with me. But we can't get impatient. Immediately we would say, well, I want it now. Well, it might be five more years or ten more years or twenty more years. But God says, but I'm at work. Wait. Wait for it. We'll get there. They'll get there. Proverbs tells us if we raise up our kids in the way they should go, they will not depart from it. There's plenty of parents that they, they would see that and say, well, no, they departed from it. They're a long way off. And God says, I'm still waiting for them. I'm waiting. Give them time. Pray with me. Labor with me in what I'm doing in their life today. If you... Continue to be with me tomorrow. You'll be more like me. But it takes time. That's what that apprenticeship, apostle, student, whatever you want to call it, it takes time. But we have to be willing to give them that time and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to give you everything I've got. Everything else is going to be secondary to my relationship with you. It has to be. It has to be. There's no other way. He doesn't let anything else come to that same level. It has to be Him. He has to be our Lord. He has to be our Master. And then we just tell other people, you want to follow with me? He'll be your Master too. He'll be your Lord too. He'll be your Savior too. He'll be your Deliverer too. He'll be your Equipper too. He'll send you his helper too. Everything that you need, he will be that for you. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you love us so much that you sent your very own son to give us the perfect example To live the life that you wanted all of us to live. And he's asked every single one of us to follow him. And if we accept that call, you will save us. You will bring us from death to life. You will equip us. You will enable us. You will do every work in us that needs to be done that we might be like you. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that's never uh, made that decision, that this morning as they feel the Holy Spirit speaking to them, their hearts pounding like it's never pounded before, and they know you're doing a work in their life, that they would uh, accept you this morning. And they would decide today to follow you. And Father, I pray for all of us that decided long ago to follow you that we would go out and tell our friends, that we would tell our family, that we would tell everyone that will listen what the Lord has done for us. He has set us free. He's brought us to life. And He's equipping and enabling me to be more like Him every single day. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory Give us the mercy to wait on you and to build with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to NewCovenantLampasses.com.